This is Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the most listened to podcast for parents by parents. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the podcast talk show for parents. I'm Janice Robinson Celeste, your host and publisher of Successful Parenting Media. I want you to tell all of your friends and followers about the show. So go to the Facebook page for Successful Black Parenting and share the link with your followers right now and let people know you are joining us. Even better, you can click the options and start a watch party. So you can also uh, come on and comment on Facebook. You'll see right below where I'm talking. Just put a comment and I'll post the best comments live on air. So, and know that it can take a while for your questions to populate in the backstage area. So ask any questions early. Don't wait. Now, our hashtag for the show is Backtalk. Here we are, we're living in a pandemic quarantine, and it's not only isolating for adults, but for children too. Teens in particular have a difficult time coping with not being with their friends. I saw a post that read something like, we, um, as adults, we have to remember that one day back in April, we picked up our kids from school where they were with their friends and they never saw them again. It was devastating. Today on Back Talk, I have Dr. Marissa G. Franco, and here she is. She's a former hi, she's a former professor, psychologist, and connection expert. She writes regularly about friendship connections for Psychology Today. She has been featured um, as a connection expert for over twenty major publications, including the New York Times, the Telegraph, and Vice. She is currently writing a book on how to make friends as an adult. Platonic, y'all platonic. Uh, we're going to discuss how to make friends as an adult and for children during these times of COVID-19. So welcome, Dr. Franco. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's start off with why do so many people have such a difficult time making friends? I think it's fundamentally that we really don't know how to make friends. When it comes to friendship, we assume that it's something that happens organically. Um, it's not something we necessarily assume with romance. I mean, otherwise the dating apps wouldn't be so thriving. And so we don't go out of our way to ask people to hang out, to take that initiative. And according to the research, people that think making friends is something that happens based on luck are more likely to be lonely years later, whereas those who see it as something that takes effort are less likely to be lonely. So it's just really about being able to say to someone, you know, I really enjoy to like hang out with you sometime. Let's find some time to hang out instead of just passively waiting for people to come to us, which I think tends to be a lot of our friendship strategies. And, you know, that's understandable, I think, because a lot of us just fear being rejected and, the truth is that we're actually a lot less likely to be rejected than we think, you know, just because someone hasn't asked us to hang out doesn't mean they don't want to hang out with us. And I like to share some some more research. There's this phenomenon called the liking gap, which is basically these researchers studied whether people assume that others like them or they don't like them. And they had these strangers interact and they asked the strangers, how much do you like the person you interacted with? And it found that in general, people underestimated how liked they were by the person they interacted with. So it just goes to show us that like, if you fear rejection, then if you are human, it's less likely to happen than you think it is and go out there and ask people to connect. 
Okay. So then are we using the word friend too loosely here? Are we really speaking about acquaintances? Because I know like me, I have two good friends that I know I can call on no matter what. So we're just talking about acquaintances, right? Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say so. There's like a tough line. I mean, I, this is like for the process of how do you move acquaintances into friends? So reaching okay. out, that process of continuing to reach out over time is really how we turn acquaintances into friends, amongst a bunch of other things, too, that I can share. I wonder how do you do that? Like, you know, because and of course, I'll read your book. But <laughs> in networking situations, I know for, for me, I have a difficult time interrupting people or, or someone I want to meet or give my card to, for instance. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm imposing. Is yeah. that pretty typical? Yeah, it is really typical. And it is kind of nerve wracking, because you don't know what's going on on the other person's side, you might fear that, oh, they're going to think this is weird. But again, I think one of the, the biggest suggestions that I have for people trying to build those relationships is assuming that other people like you. That's what super connectors do. They assume that people like them. They assume that the world is open to them. And so, you know, Janice, if you imagine, if everybody wanted to hear from you and no one could possibly reject you, then how hard would it be to like reach out and send your business card? It would be a lot easier. And the research actually finds too that um, these, these professors, these researchers, they basically told people that the person they were about to interact with liked them. And that wasn't necessarily true, but they found that in the interaction, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy because they acted more likable. They were more open. They shared more about themselves. They asked the other person more about themselves. They were more engaging. And so it really has to do with the assumptions we make about other people. Often we assume people are going to reject us. They're going to think we're weird. They're not going to be interested in hearing from us. And we need to alter that self-talk to, to say to ourselves, you know, people want to connect with us too. Other people are lonely too. Like I'm going to bring something of benefit to their lives. They want to hear from me. They like me. And so that'll facilitate us being able to get really brave and build the courage to reach out and connect. So where does this come from, this lack of confidence? Is it something that we grew up with? Because I got to tell you, I have a three-year-old granddaughter who is a social butterfly, and she has been for a couple of years. She's only three, but um, she, she'll we'll walk down the neighborhood around the block or around the corner, and she will introduce herself to people, and she'll yell. And if you don't answer back, she'll make sure you, you hear her. <laughs> and she'll say, hey, big kid, I'm you know, Mackenzie. And what's your name? And she <laughs> does it with adults. Hey, I'm Mackenzie. Hi, how are you? Yeah. And, you know, and you can't help but respond. And if they don't respond, she'll say it again and again and again. So you hear her. And I, I really <laughs> admire that quality from a three-year-old. And I kind of would love to like tune into that, you know, because yeah. I would never, I would never. So I'm wondering, you know, is it that something squashed it for us growing up that, that, that <laughs> we lose the light to, or that feeling of that everyone likes you maybe certainly I mean I think that is part of it um we only gain what's called self-conscious emotions as we get a little bit older so kids don't actually have self-conscious emotions like embarrassment humiliation and then as they get older, they start to experience these emotions because they become more aware of people around them, right? When kids are really young, they're just not aware of people around them. So it's sort of like, oh, how could they be rejecting me? They're hardly another person. <laughs> um, but also related to that, I think, you know, people that are extroverted will have it a little bit easier than people that are introverted, simply because people that are extroverted, they're less likely to perceive rejection and social risk in the same per way that introverted people, right? So if someone's like, for example, I'm, I'm an ambivert, but if it seems like someone's distracted while talking to me, I will like 
feel really hurt and like slow and stop talking. But I see other extroverts where they're just so energetic and enthusiastic, no matter how someone is responding to them, they just keep sharing and they're so bubbly and they're not as um, sensitive, I will say, to like these social cues. And so that can actually help them in a sense, right? Because oftentimes someone's reaction to us is not about how they feel about us. It's just about like whatever's going on for them or whatever's distracting them. And so not taking that personally actually helps us like continue to persist and build connections. And so, yeah, and some I think it could be it could be about, you know, being a young kid and not developing those subconscious emotions. And then I think introversion and extroversion. And I will say one more thing is that, like, as human beings, we have something called the negativity bias, which means that negative events weigh greater on us than positive events. Right. So if someone rejects me, that'll hurt more than how good I feel when someone hangs out with me. So in general, we remember those experiences of rejection a lot more than those experiences of acceptance and they count in a more strong way in our identity. So it just requires us, I think, to like change our self-talk so that we can try to balance for this like natural tendency that our brain has to like weigh rejection more than acceptance. Right. That self-talk can be so destructive sometimes, can't it? It's like, totally, it really is there. Um, Are there any other barriers to making friends normally, not talking about the pandemic, just normally then um, just rejection? What else keeps us from doing um, what we should be doing, saying hello to people and introducing ourselves? Yeah, Janice, that's a a great question. I think one of the others that I've seen come up in the research is really just mistrust of others and cynicism of others. And so obviously it's really hard to like open yourself up and vulnerability is really key for building relationship when you have that mistrust. And often that comes from some of our previous relationships. If we've experienced some sort of trauma, you know, our family relationships where we get the sense that people are generally untrustworthy. But I think, you know, we should kind of think of it as, I don't want to say a red flag, but something that we need to look and reflect on when we have these generalized blanket statements about how other human beings are, right? Because human beings are varied. They're very different. Like this is an assumption that comes from us. We don't really know how trustworthy someone is per se. And so if you're, I would say, you know, if you're someone who thinks people in general are untrustworthy, you can't trust them. That just might be a point of reflection to, to try to understand, like, where does that come from? What am I protecting myself against? Because I think, you know, Self-protection can be pushing others away, but that's also self-harm. Self-protection can be me not revealing myself to you, but that's also self-harm, right? Because I don't get to experience that closeness and that intimacy. So we need to understand what that threshold is for ourselves between protecting ourselves, but also being able to let people in. Okay. So is there a science behind why the concept of having friends is important to us as humans? Oof, yeah, <laughs> so much, so much. So um, people don't actually know this, but loneliness predicts our mortality more than diet, more than exercise, more than basically anything. The research yeah. finds that if you're lonely, that's worse for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It really, really affects us as social creatures, even though it's not something that we talk about enough. And I will say, like, friendship protects us from nearly every physical and mental health issue. Um, The research finds that they had people look at a mountain, for example, and estimate how steep it is. And when they were around their friends, they estimated that it was less steep, suggesting that when challenges are in front of us, we predict, we presume that they're less challenging just because we have friends around. And so there's this way that, like, having friends, feeling connected, 
it kind of alters our perception of the world so that we perceive it as a less threatening place than we would otherwise. And then I think one of the really important pieces of friendship for children is the role of friendship in helping us figure out who we are, like figuring out what our identity is. We really only become able to understand ourselves through just experiencing all the different ways of being through other people and figuring out what fits for us. And so for us to understand ourselves fully and what we're, what we like, what our interests are, we also need that validated by other people in our lives. They see us that way. And then we begin to really take that on as part of our identity. So the people around us are really central for how we come to define and understand ourselves. And to have a sort of full, rich understanding of ourselves, we need to have friends. Friends are central to that. I, that's great to know. I'm sorry, I got, I got a little distracted. Don't be upset. But I think we just had a little earthquake here <laughs> okay. in California. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, we had one last night that was like 4.6 that wow. really rocked us. But it started vibrating. I got a little nervous. Oh, <laughs> so, sorry. But that's okay. I think we're okay. We're good. I didn't see anything fall, anything happen. It's pretty typical out here, as I understand it. I'm still new to the area, so it's still a little um, jolting for me. But I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Um, uh, his queen baby girl, she said, just say hello. Most people aren't going to reject unless they are overly occupied with something, which is what you said, basically. Yes, yes. So, you know, I appreciate your comment. Thank you. Keep them coming. We love to have your interaction uh, with the show. Um, let's talk about a little bit about um, how maybe adults can make friends right now when we have a pandemic and a quarantine and everyone's wearing masks, you can't read facial expressions. No, it's it's so difficult. And, and, you know, dating is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, date? you know, oh, let's go to lunch to this restaurant that might be open where we have to sit six feet away. You have to wear your mask. I really can't see, you know, it's so much going mm. on right now, you know, yeah. but how can we make friends right now during a quarantine uh, in this pandemic? So I have two big pieces of advice. One is the idea that we have a lot of potential friends in our network already. We don't necessarily need to go out there and meet new people to make friends, but instead we might just need to invest more in the people that we already know. And so that can look like just like reaching out to someone and saying like, oh, hey, we haven't talked in a while. I would really love to catch up or I'd just be wondering if you'd be open to like going on a walk sometime. Like again, just taking those initi that initiative with people that we kind of like have in mind, think we'd like to get closer to, but just haven't had the opportunity and making that opportunity for ourselves. The next piece of advice I have is to wake up sleepy friendships. I think, you know, when it comes to reconnecting with old friends, we already have more trust according to the research. And so we are able to build the relationship a lot more quickly. And the number one reason why our friendships end isn't because we had some big toxic fight or misunderstanding, which of course I would say maybe it's not the right time to revisit the friendship, but just because we both we all get busy and we fall out of touch. So it's just a really good time to reach out to people. I like to thumb through my phone and go to like my contacts from like one year ago and just reach out and say like, hey, you know, just want to check in. How have you been doing? And then take it from there. Okay. Now, what about children and teens? Um, what do you suggest for them, like, or for the parents to help? How do, can they help them to make friends during this pandemic? I mean, finding creative ways that they can still see their friends. I know some people are doing pods. If you're comfortable with your teen, you know, going on a walk with their friends, just encouraging them to really be intentional about reaching out to friends. Something that I really recommend at this time that I think will help a lot of people is, is scheduling something weekly 
because regular interaction really deepens our relationships with one another. And so if, you know, maybe you can encourage your kid to like have a weekly date or a weekly standing gathering with a friend, they'll really be able to capitalize off that connection and feel a lot closer to one another. So, you know, for example, I, I just moved into my place in Washington, DC. I bought it in March and um, I wanted to get to know my neighbors. So I saw them talking in the hallway and I was like, oh my gosh, I should talk to them, but I feel kind of nervous. And then my partner was like, go talk to them. This is what your research <laughs> says you need to do. <laughs> so I just went up to them and was like, oh, hey, I'm Marissa. I just moved into like 103. It's really nice to meet you both. And I tried to assume that they like they would be were interested in talking to me. And then they told me they had a WhatsApp group. And so I joined the neighbor WhatsApp group. And then I said, you know, we have this beautiful garden behind our house. Maybe we can um, hang out there on Friday. And so now we have this standing Friday picnic day where we go out to the garden and we just hang out together. And it's just like so nice to have that regular interaction scheduled between all of us. And I appreciate it so much. And I can, I, and it just sees how we've gotten to know each other so much more because we've met regularly. And like, you know, if you have your once month lunch friend, it would have been a year for us to hang out as much as we've done just in the past like two months, just because we've had that consistent hangout time. Okay. I know we have a pod again for my granddaughter because I spend a lot of time with her, but we have a pod and I take her to, it's a parent's home um, and they hired a teacher between the 10 parents and all the parents get tested for COVID once a week. We have a person that comes there, you can do it there, or you can go do the free one um, by the the city or the, Mm -hmm. I should say the state, but um, which is not far. So you just have to show your results on a weekly basis. So the kids mm-hmm. aren't tested, but the parents are. And it's the same 10 kids um, every week. And we alternate between two houses. So uh, after, I think it's two, every two months, we will switch up and they'll go to the, the other parents' home that volunteered um, just to give them a change of scenery. But we have the teachers that they hired collectively to come and teach the kids. Uh, which was kind of the same price of their daycare at the time, you know, that they were attending. So it worked out. And um, it has been a a life changer because I just felt like, you know, the kids were getting so lonely lonely. um, and asking, they don't understand about their friends. And I heard my daughter yelling for her neighbor friend from the yard, two fences away, trying to get her attention when she did not have her friends with her. So Mm. it was really sad to see. So um, things like that, Mm. you, you have to get really creative now, I think. and um, make it happen for your child. I mean, even Dan, I've seen people doing Zoom meetings with teens, you know, just so they can talk to each other collectively together. So, you know, I I think that's um, what we have to do now. We just have to get creative because I don't think this is going to go away completely until probably this time next year. But what do you suggest for people who are homebodies and hate to leave the house or for maybe a teen who wants to hang out in his or her room just playing video games. What do you suggest for them? Well, I guess the first question I would ask myself is like, where is this homebodiness come from? Because I think, you know, even people that are introverted at this point with the level of isolation people are experiencing are just kind of like, I could use some social interaction at this point. And so actually when we feel lonely, we often ironically feel the need to withdraw. And the reason is that Loneliness actually makes us perceive our social worlds as more threatening. We are more likely to assume people will reject us. We are in threat mode. We are we are sort of closing ourselves up because if you think like 
from an evolutionary perspective, when we were all in tribes, when you were alone, I mean, you didn't have the protection of your tribe. So when we're lonely, we're actually like really stressed. We're very likely to perceive rejection when it's not, to assume people are rejecting us, to look back on our old relationships and feel less fulfilled about them. Like you might be thinking, oh, my friends are out to get me or really bitter about your friends that they haven't reached out. And on the, all that might be just a like byproduct of loneliness and like scared and anxious around being around other people. Again, these are all symptoms of loneliness, ironically, which makes it, which is why loneliness can be so hard to get out of. So I would just first like interrogate that homebodiness. Like, is that homebodiness coming from a place of loneliness or is it just, you know, you loving your solitude? Um, and then if, if you want to stay inside, you know, I don't really think there's anyone who doesn't need social connection, but you can connect obviously through technology. I mean, teenagers use video games as a way to connect with their friends too. And so I think that can be a really important medium, especially for young boys to connect with people. And so if you're someone who's just like in a place where I know we all have different boundaries around COVID, who's just like, I don't want to go outside, I don't want to take any risks, or maybe you're immunocompromised, then like, you might have to turn towards technology, even though I know we're also fatigued by Zoom right now. I think Zoom fatigue is better and a better option than loneliness. Okay, okay. Well, I know I just can go by my experiences. I know myself. I'm a homebody. I like staying home. I'm good. I'm not, I don't feel lonely. I just, I'm, I just like sometimes being by, I have a lot to do. So I like being by myself and doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but someone invite me somewhere and I'll be like, Oh my God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then I get there and I have such a good time. I'm like, yeah. wow, it happens repeatedly yeah. that pattern every time. So yeah. someone invite me somewhere and I'm like, I gotta get dressed. I gotta go. I gotta talk to people. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know. And yeah. then I'm there, and I'm, you know, I can be a social butterfly when I get there. But I'm like, I just the process of going from here to there is so negative for me. Yeah. And then when I get there, it's just always a positive experience. I, you know, maybe I need some psychological help. Yeah, that's actually really normal. I mean, according to the research, we underestimate how much joy we will experience from connection. And so, you know, it's. It's true, and I'm glad you recognize that pattern because I think it's a normal pattern and one that we don't always recognize. We think like, oh, however I feel about this right now, which means I'm, I'm like not really into it, will be how it actually turns out when it's really often the opposite. Right. Somebody posted um, for sale a T-shirt. I almost purchased it, but it's kind of rude. <laughs> so it says, I'm late because I didn't want to come. <laughs> but then when I get there, like I said, I have a really good time. You're like crossing um, it out. Now I want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to like. I would never wear it somewhere. But I, I thought that sums it all up right there. Um, but friendships, they do. They take a lot of work, right? Like you said, yeah. there. There's more to it than just an introduction, exchange of contact information, and phone calls. Um, how can one deepen a platonic relationship with friends? I love how you did it with the garden. But how can um, people do that? So I was at work and I had this like colleague who I kind of like, I would say we were friendly and we were going out to coffee together and I had been struggling with one of our other colleagues. And so I was like, huh, should I talk with this about her? Should I not talk to her about this? And, um, you know, it was a few months by that point, we had built up a good amount of trust with each other. And I was thinking, you know, literally I, I use this research to, to live my life, but I was just thinking, you know, like, 
Well, research finds that like vulnerability can really build our connections with one another. And maybe this will help us feel closer to one another. And also it begets more vulnerability. So maybe if she's having the same struggle with the same colleague, she'll be more comfortable telling me about it. And so I decided to tell her and I said, you know, I've actually feel like I've been really having a really hard time with this colleague. Like it's really hard to get a word in edgewise and you know, I'm trying to contribute, but I'm not really feeling like my contributions heard. And she was like, yeah, like me too. And we both had the same exact experience and it felt so validating. And I just looked back and I was like, oh, that was really the moment that I felt closer to her. And so um, it's just, you know, thinking about vulnerability really as a way to make us feel closer to one another. I know a lot of the time people are scared. They think, oh my gosh, I'm going to burden someone with this. They're not going to want to hear from me. But again, because of that negativity bias, according to the research, when we are vulnerable, we think people are going to get turned off. But in fact, they like us more. <laughs> Self-disclosure contributes to people liking us more. And people often feel like it's a symbol that we trust them and it affirms our relationship with them. Like, oh, wow, they really trust me to tell me this. And so it's a way of sort of indicating to someone that you like them too, which sort of furthers the cycle of the relationship. So there's this way that vulnerability can really, really bring us closer. So I think just consider, you know, sharing something about yourself that maybe just a little bit beyond what you normally share. I mean, whenever I say this, people are like, well, what about the oversharers who tell you about, you know, whatever, their huge divorce and you've only known them for 10 minutes. But, you know, that's not what I mean. I just mean that like, there's a lot of information between shallow information about ourselves and what we're telling our therapists. So just like, bring it up a notch, <laughs> move one notch further in that ladder to share with the people around you and it'll make you feel closer to them. Okay. One, other, okay. one other piece of advice that I have is, so um, the it's called repotting and it's really the idea of changing, well, as you're growing a plant, right? You have to change the pot where the plant is held. Just like that, for us to feel, to deepen our relationships, we need to change the settings in which we interact, right? So even that this can even be done virtually, just kind of changing up the activities that we do together is a way to deepen our friendships because deepening our relationships is really about revealing more of ourselves and other people revealing more of themselves. And so when you're in a different setting or environment, that brings out more of yourself and um, that can deepen your relationship. Like I just remember one time okay. going out to like a, I don't know, it was like one of those bulls with one of my friends. Oh, yeah. uh, this is a new friend. And it was just so energizing. And we just saw different sides of ourselves when we were like getting pummeled off this bull. And it was just, it's really fun. But it was also such a bonding experience because we got to kind of see each other in a new light. And so just thinking about like, okay, this is a friend. Maybe we always do happy hour. We always do dinner. What sort of different things can we do even in this these times? Can we go on a hike? Can we go apple picking together? Can we go to the vineyard so that we can repot our relationship? I love that. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you, like, what else can you do to break the ice to talk to people and, and to, um, you know, to secure your friendship a little more uh, once you have it? So, you know, I would never even think to invite a friend to go apple picking. I just would not, you know, that's something I do with my kids. So I, that's interesting. I really like it. Uh, we have another comment. It's too big to put up. I just realized they didn't condense it. But it's um, she says she's a family and parent coach. And this topic comes up with parents that she speaks with and she encourages them to open up themselves for social interactions so that they feel safe in. Um, mm -hmm. And parents, I mean, it's hard sometimes because if you're not another parent, especially you feel, you know, you might feel somewhat um, like you want to put up a, a wall 
for others. You know, it's mm -hmm. easier sometimes to talk to another parent because you're protective of your child. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk to that a little bit? I think as I hear that statement, it's like really thinking about what's the difference between a wall and a boundary to us, because of course it's healthy to like not share everything about yourself to everybody. But at the same time, I think a wall is something that feels a lot more immovable and um, pushes people away, right? Well, well, as the boundary says, this can be changed or altered based off of how much I love and trust you, right? Like this will change over time. It's more, it's more flexible. It's more, um, it takes in more information than a wall, which just kind of keeps people away. And so I think it really like takes each of us to think about like, is this a wall? Is this a way of me pushing people away? Or does this just feel like a fair boundary for me um, out of respect and affirmation of myself? And so I think it just takes a process of self-reflection to really understand where we're coming from when we feel scared or hesitant to share with other people. Like, are there people in our lives that we are sharing with? Or is this something that we're going about with everyone? Or are we only really sharing with like the one or two people that feel really close to us and then everyone else is getting our really shallow side? You know, like there should be more of a wealth of people and you should be opening up to them at different levels depending on the strength of your relationship basically right well you're working on a book right now um mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about about it and how you came to write it i know this is your study um and i'll, I'll ask you another question when you answer that one well, no, no, i don't want to give you too many <laughs> can you tell us about it a little bit i know you're still working on it yeah yeah so it's called platonic how to make friends as an adult and you know just like what i've shared today it's it's very much based off of the science of psychology of friendship and giving people practical tools to really make friends. And what really motivated me to write it, I think in my younger 20s, I was going through this bad breakup and it made me feel really crummy. And um, I decided that I wanted to create this wellness group with my friends so we could meet up every week and practice wellness together to help me feel better. So we meditated, we went on a dessert tour, we read at each other's company, we did, we repotted. This was a lot of repotting. We did all these different activities together. And I felt so loved and I felt so close to them. And I just kind of realized like, oh, like I have so much love in my life and there's not only one form of love. And so why don't we embrace that? Why mm -hmm. is it that assume that there's one form of love that's so much better than others like romance or even family compared to friends? And so um, I just thought that was a larger cultural problem that people weren't talking about enough and that I really wanted to be a part of addressing so that like all of us could acknowledge the sort of value and dignity that friendships bring to our lives. And I think, you know, for black women, I think friendships play a bigger, even bigger role in our lives because, you know, systematic oppression, there's way less black available black men than there are black women because a lot of black men ended up incarcerated. And so what that means is that for a lot of black women, kin, you know, friends are going to be some of the major and pivotal relationships in our lives, right? And so part of, and, and that shouldn't be seen as a secondary status, is, is a, you know, this downstream consequence of racism. Like having friends in your life is like a valid way to live your life. You can be whole from having friends, <laughs> friends and family, um, and even if you don't have a romantic relationship. So that was just one of the, my guiding message that I wanted to impart and just kind of share with the world, like, hey, your friendships are really, really important. And since I started studying that, I realized like friends role in kind of amplifying and fulfilling, filling in all the gaps in our other relationships. So 
For example, people that are in romantic relationships who have friends have better romantic relationships. They're more satisfied in them because they have those friends. And whenever they're having trouble in their romantic relationship, they always have that extra form of support. So then they're more able to, they have the energy to engage and to work through things. And so even that's what I suggest too for parents. I know you all probably don't have a lot of time. You know, you have kids, you have a lot of things to attend to, but really thinking about friendship as a way to give you the energy and make you feel better so that you can engage with your family um, in a healthier way and that it, it kind of contributes to the health of your family rather than being something that takes away from your family. And so I think I just wanted to give us all permission to like reprioritize this relationship that felt so sacred to me. Well, thank you for that because uh, sometimes we need to hear it. Um, I know that I don't go to a lot of places where I will meet people, right? just the way society is today. So like you met people in your apartment building. I, I'm in an apartment building where I rarely see people. So they decided to have mm -hmm. socials right as COVID hit. So then they decided wow. not to have socials. <laughs> but, you know, seeing people that, you know, I can't just walk to someone passing by and say, hey, you know, be my friend. But yeah. nor do I want to do that. <laughs> but there were um, times what, like in the past I've joined uh, groups from like meetup.com yeah. and I met people who like some of the same things that I did. And mm -hmm. I just want to put that out there that I highly suggest looking, like you said, online for things like those types of groups um, where you find things that you're interested in. I was trying to find um, photography groups. So I did. I found a few. Um, people who meditated. I wanted to find people who did that. So um, children, book authors as well. I wanted to connect with. So there's, you know, there is that. So keep that in mind. And for, for your kids, I mean, you usually like depending on what grade they are in, they if they're older, they have their usually social media contacts. If they're younger, you usually have a mailing list, an email list of parents that you can call to get mm -hmm. together and try to um, have a small gathering with masks outside, hopefully, mm -hmm. so that you guys can stay safe. Now, yeah. let me ask you, what is the most important thing that you would like our audience to take away from this interview about making friends? I think I want people to take away that to make friends, you have to try. You have to initiate. You have to go out there and say and, you know, meet people, interact with people, join in your hobbies or interests, reconnect with old friends, however you want to do it. Ask people in your network to connect you with someone that lives in your area, you know, whatever way you want to meet people and then ask them to like, Hey, let's find some time to meet up. Let's find some time to hang out. Don't wait for people to come to you because that's related to being lonely later on. And so own the process, take accountability for it, put yourself out there, assume that people like you and want to talk to you because they probably do. And I think you'll be set up really well to be making friends. I'm going to have to remember that last point. Just assume that people like you. That's the part I struggle to get over. It's assume that people yeah. like you and they, you know, they likely do. Well, mm -hmm. tell everyone where to find you. Sure. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram under Dr. Marissa G. Franco, D-R-M-A-R-I-S-A-G-F-R-A-N-C-O. Um, if you want to hear more about when my book comes out and all of the research on connection, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website. DrMarissaGFranco.com, D-R-M-A-R-I-S-A-G-F-R-A-N-C-O.com. There you can also find a questionnaire to address your friendship strengths and weaknesses and give you some advice as to how to build better friendship. Awesome. Thank you again um, for coming on our show today to talk about making friends during the pandemic. And I want to thank you all for participating and listening to Backtalk by Successful Black Parenting Mag Magazine. 
the live stream and podcast talk show for parents. Now, if you missed part of the show, no worries. You can just wait a few minutes and click the replay of this podcast, share it with anyone who needs to hear it, and let's get the word out. I broadcast every Saturday at 11 a.m. And next week, I'll be talking with Olympic world and U.S. national champion track and field sprinter Natasha Hastings about co-parenting. You know, that thing that many celebrities that you hear about are doing with the exes. That's all co-parenting. So be sure to visit our syndicated podcast replays on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Android, and more. Now you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but don't forget to check out our website at successfulblackparenting.com. I'll put it up on the screen, which is full of great content to help you to thrive and not just survive as a parent. Until next time, I wish you all the best and much success. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. We'll see you soon.